Welcome back to Rune Walking in Modern Times. I'm Ken Edwards, your host, and a rune walker and shaman of the Northern Traditions, more specifically, Norse and Anglo-Saxon. Now, more than ever, probably, rune walking in modern times has become very much a day-to-day thing. And I don't mean that like it hasn't been before. What I mean is that more than ever, it's about not just big decisions or spiritual decisions or these big ideas or major events, maybe. It's the little things. For example, one thing that really brought that to the forefront was I had entered a a photography competition for a calendar, and my picture um, was uh, a close-up, I'll put it in here, was a close-up of a a paintbrush, which is one of my favorite plants. And they were all over this spring because it had been so wet. And when I looked at all of the winners of the competition, um, they were all very panned out photos. And they were all beautiful. But it did say something to me about us looking at this bigger overall picture and and having to incorporate all of these aspects of of our lives to make it look and to, to appreciate it. And it wasn't honed in on small pieces of the bigger picture. And I feel like that's where, that's what I meant when I said rune walking in modern times has become more of a day-to-day little um, individual micro thing, aspect of life, not just some big overture, some big picture, some big idea about how we live. And I think that's a very beautiful place to be as we move into the time of year where we're moving inward. We are about, well, yeah, we just had Fall equinox, which means second harvest. Third harvest will be at Samhain. And then, and now, actually now we're moving into, we are in, uh, moving into the darkest part of the year. The part and the time when we should be going, I believe, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, going into that deeper um, place of quiet, solace, 
not a ton of movement, not a ton of go, 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 which is very not how I traditionally have lived life. Um, I do slow down in the, in, in the winter. Uh, I tend to be more creative. I paint more, of course, as you've heard probably a gajillion times. But moving into this time of, of slowness and really looking at the nuance of how you're living, how we are living, uh, a runic path or a, a path of more more closely related to our ancestors' path or the earth and the cycles of that. There are so many more nuances that we miss, I think. I shouldn't say that. Let me back up. There are so many more nuances to be experienced level upon level and deeper and deeper as we move into these and become aware of our experiences within the different seasons and the different rooms. So where Suilo representing the sun and victory and brightness and, and, and basically, you know, uh, summer solstice, how does that represent itself in the winter? How does Suilo feel in the winter? How does Dagaz, which we've um, talked about before, how does Dagaz represent itself? Traditionally, we're looking at dawn or breakthrough. Um, how does that look at sunset uh, instead of sunrise? So what is the liminal space aspect of that? Now we're moving into the darker part of the year. What does that mean? So I think that there's a lot to be experienced and there are quite a few rabbit holes to go down as we experience life continuing on. So we're trying it on my couch. We're trying this here. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. And being open to things not being perfect. Not that I've been super obsessed about that for the last few years, but prior to that, I was. And, yeah, what should we talk about next? Let's talk about, um, let's kind of continue with the theme of the liminal. Now, this weekend, this past week, well, on Monday, I was able to work with um, a couple of the apprentices from the guild, the shamanic guild, and also with a client uh, over near Colorado, or in Colorado. And this was one of the I don't know. It, it was a major point in looking at life like holistically and events as being not so organized and staged and thought through. Now, 
a few weeks ago, we had had uh, in our shamanic guild classes, we had had a, a class on how to construct ritual. Uh, and I thought, gosh, this is perfect for, because I'm about to do this with a client and I really need, um, and having this is going to be very helpful as a helpful reminder. Well, I met with the client via Zoom and um, was immediately, I pulled runes, immediately told that you're not to plan, you're not to try and or orchestrate or organize beyond being open to the occasional walking by an object and saying, I think that might need to go and putting it in a space where I can then look and decide intuitively later. And the same went for the client, which was a really fascinating aspect of this because the client um, has similar uh, logical tendencies um, over analytical tendencies to me. And so we met, decided this is, we're just going to allow the flow to happen and go with it. And I asked them to pick a couple of places that would be good for this to happen. It needed to happen outside and um, this ritual. Well, they gave me two and I drew, uh, I, I did divination on both. And the one is a labyrinth, which is, which was, I thought initially very cool. And the divination said, yes, that would be a great place to go. Well, when I looked it up online, it, it was basically in, in a town on a river in a town. And I thought, wow, we're going to be, it's going to be very public, um, surrounded by trees. So not entirely, but I'll figure it out when I get there. Don't try and overthink of it. Think it. Don't overplan it. Okay, I'll keep going with that idea. And I show up to this place early to check it out. And I walk along the river. And there are quite a few people um, at the park. And I get to the labyrinth. And I realize that it was, a, I think they call it a classic seven. I got there and I realized that it's between a river and a road, still sheltered from the road, which is great. Um, we could still hear cars and things, but being between a road and a river, and the river, just not far from where we were, was a confluence of two rivers. And that town is a crossroads for two major roads that are... Um, considered a gateway into uh, the Rockies. And I couldn't think of a better liminal place to basically um, enter the underworld or hell, Helheim, uh, to do the work we needed to do. It was completely fascinating to me uh, that it just was not going to be couldn't have been planned better. So totally let it go. Couldn't be planned better. Here we go. Well, um, the apprentices showed up 
and we spoke and we looked at things and they had uh one of them had drawn uh cards and runes earlier in the day everything was lining up uh you know when we pay attention to the flow and just go with it and try to not control it not go um allow the flow instead of trying to control maybe is a better way to put it um things what we call fall into place now Falling into place is our way of, I don't know, maybe rationalizing what is happening. Um, then um, the client got there. We set it up. Everything um, was beautiful. Everything happened um, as it should. And, and I realized that um, there was a moment... And we'll talk about masks maybe in this episode, maybe in the next one. But um, that town where like three, three years ago, yeah, I believe three or four years ago, I had passed through that town going to um, Estes Park where I had actually purchased um, this beautiful artisan um, leather mask. And... I didn't know that's where we had gone through. And yet, um, when I got there, realized that the day before I left, I painted that mask so that I could embody the other that is not me and my physical. So it was a really cool place. All of that kind of came together. And I wanted to bring that up because... Sometimes we, oh my gosh, that was synchronistic, or or I look for synchronicities in life. And I want I want to tell you that when we're walking up no, when when we make decisions to integrate into our path more flow less control things happen and synchronicity doesn't become synchronicity anymore it just becomes life so i think that's a great checking in point for how we should gauge whether or not we're not whether or not i think it's a good gauge and something to be aware of when we are living in more of an alignment or living in alignment better. It was a really cool experience. Now, let's pull a rune. Yeah, depending on the rune, we'll either talk about the mask or we will uh, talk about what the runes wanna talk about today. So, one rune. Okay, remember, do you remember how just a second ago <laughs> I was talking about um, synchronicities become no longer synchronicity, it just is how things go? Okay, 
So I'm looking at my altar and realizing, oh, there's a necklace there um, that I'm getting a great reflection from the outside light, which is showing me that uh, it's Ingu's. And um, part of part of what happened over the weekend uh, with that client was that Ingu's, it was an initiation. Um, I will also put up the picture because I took one of what I'm about to explain. Now, all of that is because I drew Ingu's just now. So we're going to talk about initiation. Um, now, I told you that I got to the place early and I walked the labyrinth. I didn't, I didn't activate it. I didn't open it. I just walked it. And when I got to the center, um, it was really cool because um, on some of the stones separating the path, there had been a, a maybe a little like altar made. And the altar was had stones with runes painted on them, which I thought was just like fucking brilliant. I didn't expect it. Um, and I loved it. Now, I got to them and then I got to the center because they were all kind of right there together. And when I walked around the center, it had a, a column in the middle. And I got to the other side of it, I looked down and on the ground was the stone that I'm showing you. And it was Ingu's. And it was away from the other runes, but it was there. And I thought, okay, very appropriate. Um, initiatory, uh, absolutely. And um, sacrifice. Um, usually for the greater good and still sacrifice. Now, the fact that we talked about that, I pulled Ingu's and that necklace is glaringly obvious now. Um, and it's had my attention for a while. Brings up initiation. So, uh, if you haven't gotten your book yet, uh, runes, experience and gnosis of a modern rune walker. Um, and then rune walking in modern times is the series. Um, and the podcast name. So if you haven't gotten it, you can go to runewalker.com to get it. Uh, it is now available on um, Amazon because they had premature ejaculation of my book. <laughs> um, and, but the, uh, what do you call it? The ebook is not going to be released until October 1st. I've tried. It'll mess things up. So, you can go there. Anyway, let's look at Ingu's and see um, what Ingu's has to tell us today about um, what's happening. So, Ingu's, um, if I can read, because it's really dark. Oh, it's on page 133. Crazy. Sometimes... Even I have a hard time trusting that because I'm impatient, I've been impatient for 24 hours now, and because I'm impatient, I need reminding um, that um, 
It can't all happen at once. So, Ingus, um, themes and stories. I've shown you this before. Sacrifice, sexuality, fecundity, and initiation. Um, deities, uh, Frere or Ingvi Frey. Now, um, he has also been a bigger part of things. And we'll get it. Uh, maybe we'll get into that. So, my poem for Ingus. Sacrificial blood, never spilled carelessly, always thoughtfully, sprayed from the fresh wounds opened by sacred blades to ensure next year's mouth next year's mouth will be fed, bellies full, fields overflowing with golden wheat, passage paid. In the stories, and part of the story of this is that Frere every fall um, is sacrificed and killed and his blood spilled onto the field so that next harvest, a year from now, will be plentiful and that um, everyone in the community will be fed. Now, a really beautiful aspect of this ties back to my impatience, right? Um, sometimes when we, I'm slitting my own throat, uh, when we sacrifice ourselves that we are now to feed ourselves that we will become, I'm impatient and expect it to happen now. But what I think is beautiful about that is the fulfillment that I'm expecting or that I'm wanting from this sacrifice comes only right before I'm asked to sacrifice that to become what I want to become at that point. Even Henry, a little cough over there, was choking on all that. So let me, let me say this. Let me say it again. The life I'm giving up now to give life to me later, to the, to the me that I will become, That sacrifice of right now only becomes realized when a year from now, we'll stick with linear, when a year from now, I have become that and I will be asked to end that so that I may become something else a year later. So it's a really interesting idea and a really interesting I don't know almost conundrum of fulfillment and sacrifice for that fulfillment 
it does very much speak to our my sometimes insatiable be insatiable need for um immediate gratification and to see the results of what i'm doing right now uh for instance um because i can become uh a little overly obsessive i do check and i have been i haven't so much this week but it's only wednesday um i was checking daily to see where the book uh, was in um, in ranking for uh, Amazon for rune divination with runes. So I became overly obsessed about the amount of work I put into it and seeing this, you know, number. It's just a number. And yeah, I became a, a little bit obsessed with that and gauging my work and all of the time and effort, even though this is not why I wrote it. And if, when you get the book, you know, it, it, in the very beginning, it says, um, let me see. Um, this book is not part of a strategic plan to catapult me to the top of the bestseller list and get me more clients translating to more money. It cannot be the parameters outlined by the aforementioned presentations. You'll have to read, get it and read it, uh, make it impossible to write the book without considering its appeal to to consumers and ultimately the profit. The runes can be and have been brutally honest about many things in my life. And this book is no different. Write without thought of any of that, write what you know, because you've experienced it. So this This will, I hope, touch and inspire and probably aggravate um, some people, but I hope it moves people. And it, it'll, it can't all be at once, right? Um, as we frequently say, you can't plant one day and harvest the next. And almost becoming obsessed with the outcome and the result not almost, becoming obsessed with the outcome and the result um, takes us out of Ingus. Now, how does that take us out of Ingus? Because going through initiation and and um, sacrificing for the greater good, right, Ingus, that's about the future. And yet the death of something when it's dead, even though with prayer or free, it will be he will be reborn or come back. Um, you now dishonor the sacrifice You dishonor the sacrifice. by not staying in the moment of grieving the loss. If there's no grief, if there's no loss, 
then what you've sacrificed is not worthy. It's not a worthy sacrifice to become something new. And I will say to you that in this moment, um, I'm becoming very aware uh, from a whole uh, different system of divination uh, that Freya has brought to me, just cards, but through there, that I'm so anxious to move forward. And sometimes we are um, so anxious to move forward, maybe especially out of relationships, um, out of um, uh, graduating from high school and wanting to move out on your own, um, ending a relationship and like wanting to move forward and jumping into another one. Um, we're so anxious for that, that we don't stop. We don't stop to grieve what we've lost or allow completely, sorry, other things popping into my head, um, allow for the dissolving or for the maybe changing of the colors of thread that we're pulling in and putting into our um, our tapestries so things can get kind of muddied and we can be quite we can become very unclear about what it is that we want so making sure that we have this quiet time making sure that we have this time of i've been calling it unraveling but it's the, that's the wrong word it's it's like a i kind of see the threads as as dissolving or ending the threads and then like i said a few minutes ago adding new colored threads in or or bringing new threads into into our tapestry I think if we don't do that, we tend to, that's when we tend to make the same mistakes over and over. Uh, and that's when we get a very monotone tapestry uh, that represents our life versus allowing for the ending of some threads to be able to pull in new ones, uh, which is a very, a very powerful, very beautiful imagery for those of us who work with the, the Norns or or weaving and yeah so I love that I really like that um, don't forget that as you become as we come to this third harvest time of year that morning is maybe the wrong word however there will be there will be morning. This maybe remember the transition is not just about moving forward, even though that happens no matter what. The transition is also about switching out the threads in your tapestry. The transition is meant to help us. initiate 
into a different space. And moving into that space, I always liken it to um, like Alice in Wonderland, where the door keeps getting smaller and smaller. And of course, there's no way Alice can get through that unless she becomes smaller. It's the same thing for us. There's no way we can initiate and move into a different space being how we are. Again, I'm still with a, probably a lot too many things. And there will be a time when those will have to go as well. Now, it doesn't always mean things. But it's the me I'm holding on to. And where are you holding on to the you that you've become because you've worked so hard for it and you don't want to release it? Where have you worked so hard for your harvest that you don't want to let it go? If you don't care for it and if you try and hold it just as it is, you don't can it, you don't preserve it, you don't offer it as a uh, sacrifice. If we don't do any of those things, it, it rots. And then it's of no use. So, where are you holding on? Where am I holding on? To the person that we've made, to the person that we see as a survivor, as a warrior, the person that we've struggled to become, the strength we've gained, where are we holding on to that so tightly that we're preventing ourselves from becoming more? Well, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of um, journaling, storyboarding, dry erase marker being to do. Uh, now that I've put all that out there and yeah, I'd love to hear how this process goes for you of figuring out what you're holding on to so tightly that you're preventing yourself from, from becoming or being or doing what you want. Well, shit, that was a lot. stepped into the stream and here we go thank you for joining me today for another episode of rune walking in modern times again i'm ken edwards rune walker shaman of the northern traditions and if you are in and around northern utah for the first part of october uh this coming sunday october 1st we're doing a launch party and a book signing for this book at the Conjuring Tree in West Jordan, Utah. The 6th, we'll be doing the same sort of event at Another Man's Treasures, or the Raven's Den, same thing, in Twilly, Utah from 6 to 8 p.m. on the 6th. On the 7th, I will be 
in Orem, Utah at the Mystic Frog for their um, Moonlight Fair, I think is what it's called. Uh, there'll be music and everything else, um, but I will be doing book signings there as well. And on the 14th, the day of the eclipse, we will be doing a book signing at We Witches 3 in Magna, Utah from 1 to 5 after the eclipse. And then uh, I'm very excited to announce I'm doing a panel discussion with um, two other rune workers um, from Northern Utah. It's going to be a free event that is uh, that will be streamed on my Zoom as well as other social platforms. That's going to be on October 22nd. And look for that, uh, look for links to that coming up uh, here shortly. Uh, that should be fun. It's going to be a series where we do three runes every week for 11 months-ish. And um, it's called Stepping into the Void, the Runic Path. Very cool discussion uh, with probably some uh, divination as well. And I'm very, looking very much forward to that. So check my website, runewalker.com, for all of those events, dates, times. And if you find yourself needing some divination, you can contact me through the website uh, to set up a discussion or like a little consultation about what you think you might need. And this time of year is perfect for the soul map reading. If you're interested in what the soul map reading looks like, uh, that is on my YouTube as a, uh, a video all on its own. And that'll give you a good idea. But that reading is only done once a year. And so if you're into it and feel like that would be appropriate, uh, let me know and we can get that worked out. Thank you again for your support and for spending a half an hour, oh, almost 40 minutes with me today. I appreciate you. May your weird be filled with health, wealth, strength, and virility. <laughs>